The Oscar goes to... And the winner is... And the Oscar goes to... The winner is... The Oscar goes to... M-M-O-W's Oscar Race Update. And we're back. Welcome once again to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. An Oscar Race Checkpoint episode for you for the early part of your week. We were supposed to uh, record something else to start off this week. Weather happens. That's part of the joy of living in New England. So now we're starting off the week a little later than usual with an Oscar Race Checkpoint. I am your co-host, Mike One. This is co-host also, Mike. We couldn't really reenact the Robert De Niro kicking scene (laughs) properly if we were trying to record the Irishman review over Skype. Mm. And I think that's going to be half the fun. Yeah, right. Of uh, recording that because we're just going to have to stand up and reenact that scene at least five times. Look like a guy that can barely stand up throwing <laughs> kicks. All credit in the world to the man selling those kicks to the face. He is the true hero of that of that movie. How wimpy do you have oh to be to get beat up? By that, Robert De Niro. I mean, we could do a whole podcast series on that. We right probably now. will, but yeah, that's our Oscars for profile of the Irishman. That is what was supposed to lead off your week this week. It's not. We're recording that later in the week. You'll have that probably towards the end of your work week. Uh, like we said, though, for today, to start off your week a little later than normal, Oscar Race Checkpoint recapping primarily the Gotham Awards that just took place on a Monday evening. Hopefully you're listening to this late Tuesday or early Wednesday, and that's what we're going to start with to recap today, Michael, what happened. Yeah, widely known as the kickoff to Oscar season to mm. award season here. We watched it last night on Variety.com. Yes. We had a live stream. We know how friends of ours were there and mm-hmm. were tweeting like crazy. And Did a great job, too. We had too. A, a lot of fun with Next Best Picture and all our friends and Scott Feinberg, etc. Uh, you know, going back and forth on Twitter there. We'll do that throughout award season, guys. I mean, we'll live tweet these things and and, and, and that's a, a ball uh, every single time. Yeah, the Oscar in Mike, Mike and Oscar means award season. It doesn't yes. mean a third host. It's me and also Mike, and we talk all things awards season. However, if we do find an Oscar, we can talk about anything now. <laughs> right, but you have to be in a trash can. That's that's kind of one of our, our prereqs. So that's the Oscar you need. Right, exactly. Needed from the jump. That's, again, you know, you just pigeonhole us. Right. We need it. All right, fine. I like to ride ourselves in the corners. Variety.com, live stream last night. Uh, I think we really enjoyed a few speeches, right, Mike? Yeah, so there was a couple legacy awards, specialty awards given out. One of them went to Sam Rockwell. Olivia Wilde presented for her buddy. She kept uh, endearingly calling him Sammy, which I thought was really cute. But she told a couple great stories in lead up. I thought her whole presentation was awesome. I mean, she she started off with joking, saying how it's not fair that Sam Rockwell keeps getting all these great parts and winning, and he's so talented, and I'm here tonight to ask him to retire. And then she's like, I'm just kidding. I'm not a male, so I don't... Don't give a shit basically about anything he does, which I thought was funny. Uh, he's like if John Cazale and James Brown had a baby and raised him on a hippie commune on the moon, yeah. uh, which I thought was really cute. But she told this story uh, just immediately prior to Sam Rockwell coming on stage about Rockwell's audition for The Green Mile, which apparently is pretty notorious in some Hollywood circles. Mm-hmm. And she said how Rockwell went into the audition for The Green Mile and read the wrong scene and was said told the producers that were there and the director that he was given the wrong scene. And can he just have a minute to step out in the hallway and come back in, and it only took mere moments, and he nailed the scene when he returned to the room. And Olivia Wilde, once once she worked on the first movie with Sam Rockwell, they'd done Mm -hmm. three, they said, together, but the first time she met Sam Rockwell on set on a film they worked on together, she approached him with this story and said how it was this legendary story and how uh, what a great actor he must be to just go out in the hallway and learn this (laughs) the right scene after having the wrong scene prepared and just come back a couple minutes later and nail it in his audition nonetheless. And she said Sam Rockwell looked at her was like 
Yeah, that's that's a trick I do sometimes. I had the right scene all along. I just tried to do that to win over the producers. Ah! It made me laugh out loud when I and she her delivery was phenomenal and it was just such a very if I don't obviously we don't know Sam Rockwell, but everything right. you hear about him, he's a very beloved man behind the scenes. This fits that motif and I thought it was really sweet and endearing and I it was a highlight of the night for me for sure. Well I'm glad you told that story because I think I had a bathroom break during that story. <laughs> oh no I put my book smart tweet out there. By the way, Book Smart is great. Yes it is. And Anybody who argues with me is, I'm very angry with you. No, I'm kidding. But I, I put out my tweet and I was like, oh, I got to go. I mean, I don't have to go during three and a half hour Irishman viewings multiple times, but then I have to go and I miss a great story. But I did catch Ava DuVernay's, you know, miniature oh, film school lecture. Yeah. My God, I loved it. It's do, a do's and don'ts list about blocking, about daily mantras, yeah. about how to run a set. I mean, pearls of wisdom here. I was in awe of her presentation. And that's a fun thing about, you know, some of these precursor award shows and especially the Gotham's. You know, they're not giving out that many awards. Mm-hmm. So you've got some room to breathe. Yeah. You know, you'll do a two and a half hour award show and, you know, these stars can get up there and actually give like a five minute speech and make it entertaining and it's just this cool community where they're at ease, it seemed. And there was like, the pressure was off. I mean, she was totally colloquial. I was so impressed with her, you know, presence up there because not only does she do that, but she, she goes through all the beats of a great award speech. I mean, she's thanking yeah. you know, Laura Dern. She's thanking everybody in the crew. And she's giving, like, these insightful things about everybody. Like, she genuinely loves everybody. And she tells you exactly why. So it was entertaining. It educated me in that speech. I, I, no wonder she's where she's at. Yeah, she needs to give more public speeches, like, every day. She's very totally. motivational, very sweet, very honest and open. And I thought Vera Farmiga, who introduced uh, Ava DuVernay, was great, too. She had a quote that's that highlighted how on Ava's set she's saw people of all different genders and colors and, mm-hmm. and races and ages and she said that for the first time in my 25 year career it felt like I was on a movie set that actually reflected my real actual life which was a great quote and uh, mm-hmm. I, I could not echo what you're saying more and her kind of her bullet points about what to do on set know your crew members by name no one is better than anyone else just because they're in front of a camera she had like this list of stuff that just makes sense from a human perspective about like yeah don't be a dick and just like treat everyone with <laughs> kindness and respect respect and humility and it was awesome a great really awesome and then i think we both liked the noah bomback greta gerwig presentation <laughs> of laura dern because it was shticky yes yeah, it, was. it was cute yeah it was but it was funny adorable yeah and you know noah bomback was up there bumbling like i do most of the time on this podcast he was up there like eight times he was up there like eight <laughs> times and that's why he didn't have things written right he made, he made a few off the cuff things but otherwise oh my god i was like <laughs> He is bombing. Like, I've never seen, like, a major director bomb that When he far. bombs, is it B-A-U-M-B-I-N-G? Yeah, yeah, He was totally bombing. Ba-dum-bump. Crushing. Good spelling joke there. <laughs> Thank you. And I was just cringing. Yeah. And I don't it was rough cringe sometimes. cringe at these precursor award shows because they're loosey-goosey, right? But this was bad. And he gets up there with Greta and just nails that presentation. It was very funny. It was very cute. And again, I mean, those were the three highlights, the three specialty awards. It was Laura Dern, Sam Rock. Well, Ava DuVernay, all very well regarded, all very well received. And kind of special, too, because... You know, I don't know about Dern, but I know Rockwell and Duvernay especially have ties to New York City especially, so being at the Gotham Awards makes a lot of sense. It does. Uh, Let's get into the rundown Mm -hmm. and the recap, because the Best Picture Award went to Marriage Story over Farewell, Hustlers, Uncut Gems, and Waves. Moonlight, Spotlight, and Birdman took this home previously, Mike. This is a 
bigger win than we would expect for Marriage Story? It was a big night overall for Marriage Story. They pretty much sweep, which mm-hmm. I don't know that the Gothams have a whole lot of like, you know, momentum building towards Oscars relevancy. I, it is kind of the kickoff to award season and it's nice to see, but it, for Marriage Story to have sustained momentum, uh, it's a good thing they swept, right? It's, it's going to help. Them. Exactly. It's going to help yeah. their cause more than anything. Only twice in this awards history has Gotham actually ended up nominating the eventual Oscars Best Picture winner and had it not win the award here, so that doesn't bode well for the uh, for the Farewell Hustlers Uncut Gem and Waves, uh, mm-hmm. as you would probably expect it to. And since the Oscars Best Picture category widened to 10 nominees, the Gothams have gotten at least one eventual Best Picture nom in every single year, but one, uh, and that kind of will hold true. Everyone expects Marriage Story to be there in the Best Picture conversation come Oscar Sunday. Maybe the farewell. Other than that, I don't know that Hustlers Uncut Gems or Waves are making that kind of noise right now. Yeah, co-sign. Best Documentary Mike went to American Factory over Apollo 11, The Edge of Democracy, Midnight Traveler, and One Child Nation. Why am I happy about this? <laughs> You're I- such a gambler. <laughs> this is such a gambler's take right here. So I, I, we've said many times we want Apollo 11 to win, and we, we both love that movie, and we think it needs to be seen by as many people as possible. I am walking that back just a time. Are you? Okay. I have to reveal this because it's my honest take. Okay. Apollo 11 is not a great watch-at-home viewing. I could see that. It's just not. Yeah, I could see that. And I was very bored. And I loved it in theater. Right. I was immersed. Right. So maybe I'll try it again. And I, you gotta really be sunk in the sunken place. And to- you did. <laughs> and you don't know where the academy members are watching this. And we have that streaming service we've talked about that's True. available only to academy members. So maybe a lot of them are watching it at home and they don't get it. Uh, there's this narrative out there that some people on Twitter have pitched, and I saw uh, a couple comments made that. The, the documentary feature category doesn't like archival footage. That was a great take today. I retweeted it. I don't know how true that is. I mean, O.J. Simpson mm-hmm. was kind of archival footage. You can make the argument that Amy had some archival footage. Searching for Sugar Man. I mean, these are all things that won this decade. Yeah, but it's kind of true as well because the biggest snubs we've had have had a lot of archival footage. Right. It fits that that Jane, you know, was the favorite and didn't make it. The one my neighbor was the yeah. favorite and didn't make it. And that's what we're talking about with Apollo 11. It's winning a bunch of these prereq awards precursor awards we hope it's there on oscar sunday if for no other reason than because we're in two years in a row now where uh, the documentary that a lot of people seem to be most drawn to in the early going doesn't show up and it doesn't even make nomination on oscar sunday with those two so hopefully this loss in some kind of weird way makes this not the favorite anymore so it can get there on Oscar Sunday because this category's been so weird? You are super effing stitious. <laughs> you're not just a little stitious, you're super stitious. I agree. Moving on. <laughs> Best actor, uh, Adam Driver won for Marriage Story over Defoe, Hodge, Holland, and Sandler. Yeah, again, makes sense. Marriage Story pretty much swept the night. This award has only been given out since 2013, but only once did they not manage to have at least two eventual Best Actor Oscar nominees in the same category category here, which was in 2015, in which they only had one, so it's a little interesting that they've yet to have a year in which they only got one eventual nom, but maybe Driver and Sandler should both feel pleased, except maybe not with some later stories with Sandler we're going to cover. Mike, they ran clips during the presentation of this award show, and Francesca totally stole the scene from Sandler. (laughs) Totally stole it! I I thought he was excellent! I wonder if if that clip was picked specifically for the Gotham Awards, knowing they were playing towards a New York audience. I wonder if they cut out, we just couldn't see it, of Francesa taking a bow, because he was actually there. He's in the the movie, he's in any movie, and he's just there. Guys, this is the king of sports radio. We've grown up with him. We make a lot of uh, jokes at his uh, expense, and to his 
tribute. In yes. Ways. Yes. And this is one of those. <laughs> anyway, I'm hoping that Willem Dafoe gets a supporting actor nominee. I'm really rooting hard. The more I think about The Lighthouse, I saw it twice. I'm dying for him to actually get a win there. I, I know it's not going to happen, but I know you're saying that Sandler is probably the other probable nominee here. A lot lots being said about Hodge. They've mixed process, they've but, mixed uh, actors in this category yeah. before. They've had some good people that ended up go, going in the supporting categories on the Oscars that lot. got the best actor not here yeah. at this award show. It's saying a lot that the foes even in there. Yeah. getting nominated. Yeah, uh, so I think that's and he's a he's a favorite. He's a darling. A lot of people like him. A lot of people keep wanting him to break through and get that at Eternity's win, Gate, Mike. Yeah, at Eternity. What a movie! Gate. But I'm I'm excited for our Marriage Story review. At uh, we're recording that at the end of this week with a special guest. Yes, so we are. We'll get to that soon. Mike, best actress. We had Aquafina from The Farewell. Take it home over Elizabeth Moss. Mary Kate Place. Florence Pugh from Midsommar. And Alfre Woodard. So conspicuous by her absence in this category with how well Marriage Story did overall with Scarlett Johansson not making nomination. Maybe she shouldn't worry. It's been three years in a row now that the Gothams have not had the eventual Oscars winner of this category nominated here. That said, Aquafina kind of an upset win oh, anyway. I, I, I'm, I'm thrilled about it. I'm very happy. Weird that she wins this fails to make nomination at the Film Indie Spirit Awards, and maybe this helps her get there on Oscar Sunday, at least make the field. Best Actress is going to be kind of crazy this year, I think. I think it's going to be totally crazy, yeah. and I think we're getting surprises already in that category, and I think we're going to continue to get surprises. So, why should we be surprised come Oscar time? I'm talking to my future self here, <laughs> and my future self is still not going to listen to myself. Too many babies. We want Aquafina to be nominated. Oh, Totally. Yeah, we love her. We loved her performance in the film. And it's interesting that in this battle of the indie film, you know, priestesses here, you know, the feel-good movie wins over the couldn't-feel-worse movie in, in Clemency, <laughs> I'm guessing. So, I, yeah, I, I'm happy for Aquafina and I'm happy for feel-good movies. Maybe the best acceptance speech of the night, too, when she kind of, holy shit! Yeah. <laughs> That's how she started off her speech. That was great. Awesome. Best screenplay now, we had Lulu Wong from The Farewell. Uh, we had uh, High Flying Bird last Black Man in San Francisco and Midsommar all lose to Noah Baumbach yet again from Marriage Story. So the screenplay award here at the Gothams is their newest film award and the one they've had most recent success with from a prediction standpoint of right. how this plays out on Oscar Sunday. This was first given out at the Gothams in 2015. Last year was the first time in this award's history that the winner here did not go on to win a screenplay category at the Oscars. But he still got nominated he Paul did Schrader. get nominated yeah. in Paul Schrader. So it, I, there's a correlation of success. Bombback's Marriage Story, again, having swept the night of the Gothams. It's got high Oscars aspirations. And by the way, what a night for Netflix overall. Uh, I mean, they they did extremely, extremely well in all facets. praising Netflix for being home for indie filmmakers for a while. I mean, they've had the money. They've been buying up all this original content, and and they have really been a patron of independent cinema. There's no denying it. I, I know that cinema purists want the movies to go directly into the big screens, but Netflix has been paying them for their work yeah and it's been it's been paying dividends for them too can't imagine i mean amazon take notes for the love of god but also important to note one other just kind of uh, uniqueness about this screenplay category at the gothams they've never had less than two eventual oscar noms in screenplay so 
every time the set of Field of Five has been given out here at the Gotham's for Best Screenplay, at least two of them have gone on to be end up nominated in one screenplay category at the Oscars. So keep an eye on that overall. Maybe that does well for Lulu Wong and the Farewell. Oh, so. I, I, we think it'll do well for Noah Baumbach and Marriage Story. Everyone expects that. So uh, we'll see how that plays out overall. I loved, by the way, Tracy Letts' presentation yeah. of this award. I thought he was fucking hysterical. And He's great. Just parodying how basically a script gets bastardized over time between mm-hmm. producers and studio mm-hmm. intervention and the actor not delivering the lines and he compared that to his presentation speech for giving an award it was hilarious the man can give speeches he is theatrically trained (laughs) and obviously he's a great writer and he he did that in as the deuce in ford v ferrari oh i loved him mesmerizing and i thought it was like ironical that he took the stage right after american factory yeah good point good point I want to understand why American factories and Chinese factories and all these, I had all these business questions because I remember the movie and the movie asked all these business questions about money and such things. And Mike, I was like, this is the perfect time for Tracy Letts to be there. Of course it was. I want to be half as smooth as Tracy Letts at one point in my life. He's unbelievable. Just the other, uh, one other note. Noah Baumbach thanked Netflix for saving the Paris Theater mm-hmm. in New York. Uh, Noah Baumbach, very, very tied to New York City, so it makes a lot of sense, too, that he, and he mentioned during this acceptance speech how tied to New York City is. I made ten films, eight of them are about New York, two, the two others are about people missing New York. So it makes sense that he has great success at the Gothams, but it was nice to see him give Netflix the recognition of saving the Paris Theater as well. Mike, the breakthrough actor category, they have nominated some rising stars over the yeah. years. Elsie Fisher, Timothy Chalamet, Anya Taylor-Joy, and Tessa Thompson. What a what I mean, what a roll call. They've took this home yeah. on previous nights. So we had Julia Fox, Aisling, Franciosi, I'm sorry, Chris Gallist, <laughs> uh, Noah Jupe, Jonathan Majors, all lose to Taylor Russell from Waves. So I think this is a little predictable because Taylor Russell has seemed to be the only one of that group uh, listed that has been talked about with any kind of Oscars momentum. So yeah, and she's making some noise in the supporting actress category. So that makes some sense. It's good for her. It's a good win for her. It is. Uh, And it was nice. I mean, how heartwarming was it Kelvin Harrison raced to the stage Kelvin Harrison Jr. to accept it on, on Taylor Russell's behalf because she wasn't there it's and you nice can... because you know Taylor Russell's getting work now, right? <laughs> well, and you could just see Kelvin Harrison was just so elated for his yes. friend it and funny. it was it was so cool to see that this this guy who's got a rocket ship attached to his back in his own right uh, having this moment sharing it with his friend and reading a, a speech that she prepared that was really cool I also want to give a shout out Jeremy O'Harris who presented the award mm-hmm. uh, one of his quotes this is a quote from him so don't yell at me for the curse word just know I'm going off script in describing each one of these nominees because every single one of you guys is fucking insane uh, that was awesome <laughs> this was a great award show in terms of you know the viewing experience yeah. again I think they were all relaxed maybe they were serving the right kind of booze maybe, <laughs> you know, I'll have to ask Matt or something uh, right. what they were doing there but people were cool yeah agree agree so they were at ease and it really helped breakthrough director we had a laurie de clermont tonnerre mike from the mustang take it home over kent jones from diane uh joe talbot the last black man in san francisco philip Umans from burning cane and in an upset everybody thinks yeah that, olivia wilde from Booksmart comes home empty. I'm going to leave this to you, Mike. I have not seen the Mustang. You have. We've both seen Booksmart. What did you think about the comparison there, and how do you think this award played out? I tweeted about it last night. I I think it's an underrated film. I think it takes a perspective of a violent criminal that we're not used to taking Mm -hmm. in this way, this empathetic way. Not sympathetic way. Empathetic. Sure. Empathic Mm -hmm. way. There you go. I've learned. Shout out, Kate. Finally. (laughs) 
mispronouncing <laughs> it twice more. But uh, yeah, shout out Kate from Ignorance Was Bliss and that uh, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood review, Michael, because that movie is empathic. There's yeah. no doubt about it. And, and it's really well made. And if you like animals, it's also, uh, you know, even if you don't love horses, <laughs> like someone sitting across the table from me right now. I have no problem with the animal. I have a problem with the movie. It works. <laughs> uh, apples to apples, the directing job between what Clermont Tourneur did and what uh, Olivia Wilde did. But it's not an apples to apples. It it's like is. a great yeah. uh, tuna tartare versus <laughs> apples. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Caramel apple with Booksmart. That's a great, you know, popcorn movie. That is a disgusting combination of food. Right? So how can you compare them? I'm trying to get out of this. Mike, the, uh, the winner of this year's Audience Award, and they took into consideration all of the major categories mm-hmm. for pictures there, uh, went to Marriage Story. No surprise. Yeah, just the night it had. I mean, it swept. It did, a, it, it did well for itself as well as it could have done for any kind of if momentum from the Gotham Award is a real thing towards Oscar's consideration. I, again, I think it helps Mary's yeah. story. And the favorite winning at the BAFTAs last year helped the favorite. Yeah, so I agree. I, I don't think it can So, yeah. Happen. A lot more award shows here now, Mike. British Independent Film Awards happened, and For Sama was the big winner on that night. It won Best Director, Editing, Best Documentary, and Best British Independent Film. That's... Great. Also, a, a little weird that the best film is a documentary, right? That's That's got to mean something. It says something yeah. for For Sama. I think that it matters. Good for them. Now, this award show wasn't necessarily cluttered with, quote-unquote, Oscar contenders. And we didn't have a favorite this year like we did last year. Yeah, favorite, the movie. Not correct. Me. You had the personal history of David Copperfield winning a bunch, and Ianushi took home best screenplay. So, For Sama won over Wild Rose, movies like that. And I was rooting for Wild Rose to get it. You know, foothold here, right? But you know, these Syrian documentaries have ripped my heart out. Yeah, over the past few seasons, very, very heavy. They've been very good. Yeah, and they really, really spoke to me. Some other beef of stuff. Renee Zellweger ends up winning Best Actress. Josh O'Connor from Only You wins Best Actor. Parasite wins Best International Independent Film over Marriage Story and a couple others. That's something to keep an eye on. The British consulate seems to prefer uh, Parasite to Marriage Story. Yeah, Parasite had a good week as we're uh, coming into the Atlanta Critics Association winners okay we can stop chatting with our teachers during our lunch period and happily walk by the cool kids table and try to get at least a glance that we can fantasize about later right because i'm done with like the beef of stuff right which is a terrible acronym by the way to say and we're going to talk about the cool kids now the atlanta critics association winners and they're cool because they rank their best pictures and they give out these rankings yeah parasite was one irishman two marriage story three once upon a time four 1917 five those are too many numbers six was (laughs) little women seven uncut gems eight knives out Nine, Pain and Glory, and ten, Apollo 11. Very cool that Apollo 11 makes it. Very cool that Knives Out makes it. Uh, offensive to me, personally, that Once Upon a Time of Hollywood is behind Parasite, the Irishman, and Marriage Story, but <laughs> hopefully nobody takes notice of that. I don't want to hear that getting any momentum. Uh, last year, just as terms of looking backwards, the favorite finished number one here. A Star is Born was number two. Roma finished third. Eventual Best Picture winner Green Book, though, didn't make their top ten, but I don't think it also made any kind of consideration. It may have been released too late or whatever for their for their voting here because it wasn't in any category at it's the Atlanta Film Circle last year. Little Women's on here. Right. But- Last year, I mean, the favorite was probably my favorite of the nominees, so I would agree with that. Got done so dirty. I mean, it won the one award. The only award it won is the only one I didn't want it to win. 
Exactly. <laughs> the Oscars. You do this to us every year. That's why we have a podcast. Mike, actor went to Adam Driver. Actress went to Zellweger. Supporting actor went to Pitt. Supporting actress to Dern. That's kind of, you know, going with the favorites. Yeah, that could be what we end up seeing on Oscar Sunday, too. Director and screenplay went to Bong Joon-ho, as did Best International Film. So, big night for Parasite in Atlanta. Parasite keeps doing well for itself at all these Critic Circle and Critics Association Awards. It's probably going to do very well for itself come nomination time as well. Ethan Hawke and Olivia Coleman won last year for the acting category. Sam Elliott and Emma Stone won the supporting category. Okay. Just as means of what this could mean for Oscar Sunday. A lot of early favorites there, and Ethan Hawke was taking home every Critics Association yeah. Award. Yeah, those were screeners that went out early for everybody, but not necessarily for the Academy. Didn't didn't, didn't end up doing well there. Should have went to the Critics Choice Awards. Yeah. That would have helped him. Documentary went to Apollo 11 in this case. Toy Story 4 took home animated feature, and notably, cinematography and score went to 1917. Got to look out for that as a technical achievement this year. Yeah, and I'm surprised it didn't do better with major awards because that seems to be getting a lot of momentum lately. Parasite, I wonder what these critic circles, the earlier you get them, the more impact they have Mm -hmm. because these later releasing awards... For whatever reason, I, I mean, like we said, Green Book didn't have a, any kind of uh, agency with this award circle last year. 1917 wins a couple, but it's been talked about in higher regard lately. True. So, well, it's totally different body bodies yeah, at the end true. of the day. So you'll have some crossover, but otherwise, you won't. I mean, mm. that's the simple, stupid answer, folks. <laughs> Kelvin Harrison Jr. and Olivia Wilde took home the Breakout Performer and Director Awards. Good. Kelvin Harrison Jr. should win every Breakout Award. Olivia Wilde should win every Breakout Director Award. I agree. Mike, the Goya Award nominations came out. This is Spain's primary award show. I learned about a new movie here. It's called While at War. It has a very low meta score, but it had 17 nominations, wow. including Best Director, Film, and five acting categories. The premise reads, writer Miguel de Unamuno nailed it I'm sorry faces himself and his ideals after the 1936's military coup d'etat okay <laughs> that's a movie that we have to now put into our, our, our minds and seek out and find Pain and Glory also did well for itself here mm-hmm. 16 nominations including Banderas Cruz director and film and then the other notable category was the best European film and nominees were Border, Les Miserables, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Again, attesting to how strong French cinema was this year. Yeah. And Yesterday from Danny Boyle. going to be interesting to see Portrait of a Lady on Fire going head-to-head with Les Mis there. As we know and we have reported quite often, Les Mis, uh, France decided to put Les Mis as their official selection for the I'm, International I'm going to believe they're both you know, serious contenders and, and maybe for crossover awards for Portrait of a Lady on Fire if... It's nom- they're both nominated at the Globes together. Right. Or if yeah. Portrait of Lady on Fire instead of Les Mis right. is nominated. Right, right, right. All Globes, right. next Monday. <laughs> All right, the AARP Movies for Grown-Ups <laughs> Award nominations, Michael. Oh, boy. All right, what do we got? Every nominee is over 50 here. You don't say. Get the Aquafinas <laughs> and the Adam Drivers out of here. Leo is still five years too young. It's going to be sad when he's nominated at these. But damn it. Good for them, right? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Old people get their show, and <laughs> we're happy about that. We could still say old people because we're young, younger. Right, right. Uh, for now. 
it, it's kind of funny, you know, in terms of a title, so it's not taking itself too seriously. It's not quite formal enough to be offensive, and yet, you know... They'll find a way. <laughs> we're not entirely sure if they're trying to be funny or not, so you can kind of just ignore them. We don't... The, the boomers are not known for their self-defecating... or Defecating? No, self-deprecating humor. <laughs> Before you said defecating, how many times did you think about your own parents throughout my yes, feel there? of course. The whole time, That's right? exactly what I'm thinking of. The whole time. Yeah. And, Look, Tony Danza's hosting. There you go. The two popes <laughs> got nominated in all major categories. You don't say. What a shock. And just a shout-out to nextbestpicture.com. There's still photo. It's so funny. It's just like old people happy. It's just like you have Jonathan Price going, woo! It's so funny. It hit me so funny. So that's on their on their website, let, let me Let me spoil how this award show is going to go for you. The two popes is winning everything. It probably is. It probably the is. old... White guy Christian yeah. Pope movie that's yeah. winning everything. Uh, it probably should. Let's ha- let the two popes have its big night, right. the biggest <laughs> night at that award show. But they have some cool categories like best intergenerational mo- movie, Beautiful Day, Little Women, Parasite, The Etruscan Smile. I'm such an asshole because all I'm thinking—I I, I didn't listen to a word you just said. All I'm thinking of is like if they have the awards yeah. and they announce the winner, yeah. and it's just like the music playing the guy up to the stage just keeps playing on a loop because it takes. Takes them so long to get there because they're like he's going slowly with uh-huh. I'm a dick. And yet you have people there who are 50s and just show the right. world they're exactly in exactly like 50s the new 30. They're in better shape than we are. Oh my god! What a jerk! That's really funny though. We have to have long play up music at the AARPs, or they all have to sit in the front row. Mighty. They have some weird ca- categories too. And some weird the presenters go to them. <laughs> Best buddy picture. And one of the nominations here was Just Mercy. Yeah, nothing's going to buddy like that When preview. you think of buddy picture, you don't think of buddy drama, right? You don't think <laughs> or of, a civil liberties picture, no, right. right. Even though we're going to talk about the trailer, I thought it was awesome. Right. But you don't think of that movie. No. And Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, maybe the best buddy movie of the last 20 years... Even if you don't like that movie, it's a great buddy movie. That's uh, not nominated. I don't know. Ageism isn't a thing, but like that's that's lookism. They do, they get offended that Brad Pitt is one of them and can still look like he does. Like I don't get this one at all. Yeah, I mean, it's not like both buddies had to be over fifty because <laughs> Michael B. Jordan's obviously younger. Yep. What the hell? And then they nominated three bio docs, right? Ask Dr. Ruth, Linda Ronstadt, and Toni Morrison. You can just see all the AARP members like, I like them. This is filmmaking. <laughs> bio documentaries, glorifying people I loved. Well, that segment has been Mike and I taking an un, uh, unworthy dump on everybody at the AARP Awards. No, yeah. Good for them. They <laughs> yeah, had absolutely. Yeah. We tell it all with love and tongue-in-cheekness. And I'm, I, they've, they're have done well to accomplish what they've accomplished. There's no walking it back. You no, yeah, you that's out there. I tried. Mike, the Annie Award nominations came out, and there were some surprises in the undercard, but best feature kind of went how we thought. Frozen 2, How to Train Your Dragon 3, Claws, Missing Link, Toy Story 4. Weathering With You was not in best feature, but it's in best indie feature. I'm sorry, I didn't read the rules. But uh, it did get in there with uh, Boonwell, right? It, it did. Best indie feature category goes Boonwell and the Labyrinth of Turtles, which is also the greatest title of 2019. Mm. Uh, I Lost My Body, Oko's in Promar or Promare, and Weathering With You. Netflix did better than ever. G Kids got four in Best Indie Feature. 
Toy Story 4 only getting six noms, a little surprising up and down the so card. So it's not in directing, and that was the right. big snub, according to Hollywood Reporter. Frozen 2 is not in editing, and then, like I said, Weathering With You, I wonder if it was eligible for Best Feature, because it's an indie, it got boxed out, I don't know. It's Best Trailer and Best Song That Made Me Feel Things. That's That should be an award. All right, maybe uh. it will be. <laughs> We'll have our Let one, me one run award. the Annie's. <laughs> the Mike Mike and Oscars is going to be <laughs> The Mike Mike Oscar and Annie's. <laughs> satellite Award nominations came out. Every opening number is just me singing tomorrow. The satellite That's Awards. That's a bad joke. <laughs> satellite Awards Come came on. out, Michael. <laughs> That's pretty funny, actually. <laughs> you screwed me up. <laughs> the 24th Annual Awards from the International Press Academy. So, again, this is another overreaching award mm-hmm. show. And a few notable winners were announced. The Mustang is winning Best First Feature for uh, De Clermont Tonnerre. And Knives Out wins Best Ensemble, which is a nice surprise. Well, this is something we're going to do. We're recording our Knives Out review on the 5th. You'll have it the 6th. We have a special guest lined up. Uh, We can't be... We're very excited for it. But I watched Knives Out yesterday. You've seen it already. I've seen literally Mm. one person online Say they don't like the movie. What? Sure. Oon. Everybody else is pleased with it. I mean, we're gonna. I I enjoyed it. I know you you're high on it. You know, I don't know that it's going to rise to any kind of. We want slam the table to have it be nominated best picture, but it's very pleasing and it makes a lot of sense. I'm about to see it again, and I'm curious if I'm, if I'm gonna notice the performances a little more. Right. That was like one of my disappointments. Like I expected the ensemble piece. To be the draw. I agree with that. And it's not no, really it's not. that. It's not. It becomes like a two-hander at some point. The screenwriting, I think, is the draw. Right. I mean, quite frankly, and that's what I've been pounding the table over. This thing, if it's that pleasing to everybody, get it nominated for the original screenplay. Anyway, they have both drama and comedy uh, or musical categories throughout this card at the Satellite Awards. So I'm just really going to note like the snubs or the surprises. So, Best Actress. You had six in drama and weirdly four in comedy or musical. Anna de Armas from Knives Out. Constance Wu from Hustlers. They are there. Yes. No Saoirse Ronan. No Lupita. Yeah. That's, so that's, that's, a a, that's a letdown. That's a letdown for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, the actor categories, there's 12 total nominations. So the big surprise was George McKay from 1917 getting in over Robert De Niro from The Irishman. Maybe you've heard of him. Uh, <laughs> Paul Walter Hauser from Richard Jewell and Jonathan Price for The Two Popes. So that's George McKay getting in over all of those names, yeah. which have certainly been more linked to the best actor category when it comes to talking about Oscars consideration. Uh, there's two other surprises. Daniel Craig and Taika Waititi both got comedy or musical lead actor nods for some reason. Because they're supporting <laughs> actors. What the hell's going on? The satellites love Knives Out is what I'm getting from this. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. And somebody should. Right. Let, let Knives Out Agree. have a day. That, that, that's cool. In supporting actor, there was no Pacino or LaBeouf. Mm. Wendell Pierce got a nom, though, from Burning Kane, which I was surprised about because I've seen better Wendell Pierce. I just have. That's... Bernie Kane seems to be very polarizing, very hit or miss. And I mean, not to say anything about the filmmaker because Umans is is a prodigy mm-hmm. in doing this when he's mm-hmm. nineteen. But it seems to have. I mean, if it finds its audience, it really finds its audience. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. They loved it here. Yeah. Uh, in supporting actress, no Kathy Bates, and by all accounts, she's a late riser from Richard Jewell. Yes, Penelope Cruz from Pain and Glory, otherwise the usual suspects. All right, so in terms of picture, again, they have two categories. No Irishman. Shocking. No Jojo Rabbit. 
Burning Kane does make it. Uh, the Lighthouse knives out Rocketman and Uncut Gems, which is listed in comedy or musical. <laughs> Which becomes ironic in a minute. <laughs> Very ironic. Uh, again, shout out to nextbestpicture.com and their scoreboard on the right hand corner. Yeah, they do a great job. Going to be looking at that a thousand times throughout award season here. Mike, speaking of uncut gems, it has been denied as a comedy or musical by the Hollywood Foreign Press for the Golden Globes. So that means that this has to be, uncut gems has to be considered a drama. Mm-hmm. Um, that's bad news for Adam Sandler. Very bad news for Adam Sandler. Also bad news for the Safdie brothers, if they thought they were funny. Because (laughs) you have a movie with Adam Sandler, you think you made a funny movie... (laughs) Like I'm just I, obviously I know they're politicking with right. this, you know, and posturing with this, you know, submission. But can you imagine if they're just like, hey, we think this is a laugh riot. <laughs> this is hysterical. <laughs> I saw a lot of people on film Twitter. Yeah. Uh, Feinberg was the first person I saw that had this. Go figure. I saw a lot of people on film Twitter. The feedback was, well, this is a drama, so that makes sense. People that have mm-hmm. seen it already. So mm-hmm. I don't know that it's that surprising. What it does, it's it's kind of damning. Adam Sandler, I thought, had a chance to sneak in at that fifth slot for best actor. Right. The drama side of this year for Best Actor is just, I, we talk about it all the time, and the list is like a solid 17, 18 names deep. I would say 12 or 13 of those mm-hmm. are for the drama category, so it's going to be a hell of a hill to climb for him to get in, for that picture to get considered for Best Picture consideration. Maybe it does it anyway at the end of the day, but it yeah. just made, got made things incredibly more difficult for it to do so. And yet, if like Eddie Murphy beats Leo at the Globes, right. which he can campaign himself to a victory yep. there, that could say something, and it, it could have said something about him Right. Well, in further proof that nobody knows anything news, hi, Mike Juan coming from the editing bay here. I got about 20 minutes or so in editing this episode, and we had another big news story break. The National Board of Review announced their winners for this year's awards. They gave The Irishman the best picture, the best film of the year award. Last year, they got Green Book right as the best film of the year that would actually go on to win best picture. Prior to nailing Green Book as winning both Best Film for NBR and the eventual Oscar winner for Best Picture, though, the best film that the National Board of Review has picked has not won the Best Picture Award at the Oscars very much. They only won it twice uh, since the year 2000, three times if you include last year's Green Book pick. So may not be that big of a, a harbinger of things to come or future success to come as far as the Irishman goes. Renee Zellweger won Best Actress of the Year. And aside from being pretty much the presumptive uh, nominee or one of the presumptive nominees for that category at the Oscars anyway, certainly there is a large correlation between winning this award for National Board of Review's Best Actress and going on to be in the Oscars conversation or at least make Oscars nomination. She joins the likes of Lady Gaga, who won it last year for Stars Born, Meryl Streep the year before for The Post, Amy Adams, Brie Larson, Faroon, Julianne Moore for Still Alice, Emma Thompson, Saving Mr. Banks, Jessica Chastain. A lot of Oscar nominees in that list as well. But the reason I'm putting this insert here is to tell you that Adam Sandler for Uncut Gems wins National Board of Review's Best Actor Awards. Now, it's been a crazy week for Sandler. We just heard, you heard us talk about it throughout this episode up to this point. You know, Uncut Gems does nothing at the Gotham Awards, gets beat by Marriage Story every step of the way. Uncut Gems gets denied as a comedy, which would seem to make it, give it a more difficult path at the Golden Globes, the Hollywood Foreign Press Association calls it a drama, so Sandler and Uncut Gems are going to have to compete in the drama categories instead of the comedy or musical categories at the Golden Globes. Those would all seem to be things going against Adam Sandler's case to making the Oscars feel for Best Actor. And yet, here he wins the National Board of Review's Best Actor Award, and of the last eight 
15 men who have won the award for Best Actor from the National Board of Review going back to 2003, I want to say. I think two times there was a tie. Two men won it in two separate years. Uh, but the last 18 men who have won this award, or at least tied to win this award, 16 of them have been nominated on Oscar Sunday in the Best Acting category. So all over the place, one of the more wild weeks apart from Oscars week that any kind of candidate or nominee or potential nominee has had in early memory. So all of this is to say, nobody really knows anything, least of all Mike and I. But as news comes up, we certainly will be here to report it and talk to you about it and tell you about it just to run down some other NBR award winners from today. Brad Pitt did win Best Supporting Actor for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Kathy Bates, despite not being there in the Atlantic Critics Circle like we talked about, she wins Supporting Actress for Richard Jewell over Laura Dern, who has pretty much been almost in a runaway situation here with the Supporting Actress category and a lot of these precursor awards. Original screenplay goes to Uncut Gems. So National Board of Review had a lot of love for Uncut Gems up and down the card, as they did The Irishman, which won Adapted Screenplay. Want to highlight as well, Quentin Tarantino won Best Director for Once once Upon a Time in Hollywood, there's a correlation. National Board of Review is a pretty heavy correlation in a lot of the major big eight, big seven Oscar categories. So these are going to be the names to look out for. The only other thing I wanted to mention was uh, Best Animated Feature actually went to How to Train Your Dragon, not in fact one of the Disney ones, and Best Breakthrough Performance was Paul Walter Hauser for Richard Jewell. And he's another man that's kind of been flirting with this Best Actor nomination type deal. So Richard Jewell, Uncut Gems, big day for them on this Tuesday with the National Board of Review, even though Uncut Gems didn't do well for itself on Gotham's. The award season's all over the map. It's kicking into high gear. We're going to be here to cover it every single step of the way. We hope you keep turning in. And so sorry for butting in here. Just wanted to keep you guys up to date. Make sure you guys were on top of the National Board of Review stuff. Like I said, it broke after Mike and I had recorded the main episode. So I'm coming to you from the editing bay with this add-in like I like to do to make sure that we cover as much news as possible for you guys. National Board of Review. Big stuff on the horizons. We have it all over our social medias. Go check those out as well. Uh, I'll get you back to the episode now. A couple more stories before we talk some trailers. The Golden Globes promos came out for Ricky Gervais, Mike. I mean, <laughs> fuck. When Gervais was announced as the host, yeah. my take was, I'm glad. Mm-hmm. But the whole idea that he's the bad boy that will say anything probably shouldn't be hammered by everybody because mm-hmm. at this point where we are with the woke culture and all that every host says is the bad boy and says things and takes shots at monsters i'm already sick of this market. yeah and it's just the second time they've marketed right it. and they are leaning heavily into the oh what's he gonna do next the champagne <laughs> look out for the camera come on it's so staged and so forced yes. and so fa- don't you like the best part of any kind of there's two 15 second trailers the best part of it was him making fun of himself and saying it's exactly what you wanted right me as host no it isn't nobody wants it. that was funny that's legit let ricky gervais be ricky gervais don't do this whole he's the bad boy in school he's not all about shtick Right? I mean, mm-hmm. he's about you know, stand-up comedy. He's improv, yeah. He's yeah. much funnier that way. Golden Globe nominees are announced next Monday at 8 a.m. Eastern Time, 5 a.m. Pacific Time. We plan to cover it ASAFP yeah. for you next yeah, week. set an early alarm. Okay. We've been having a lot of fun on this episode, but we got a couple Have of we? scandals yeah. and backlashes <laughs> here, Mike. All right. The banker, filmmakers, and actors released a statement defending the film. I do think the statement is commendable. There is kind of a major snag, though. Apparently the son, Garrett Jr., is accused of molesting his younger sisters. Oh, Jesus. And the sisters, quote, 
also claimed that the timeline of the film was tweaked in order to leave the girls and their mother out of the story. So that's from Mia Galupo from The Hollywood Reporter. Again, commendable. I think the, the story has good messages, right? And everybody's backing that fact uh, to Apple TV and, and from the film. But if they postured to kind of just, all right, brush this story under the rug, mm. if they knew, I mean, what, what did they know and when did they know it? It comes back to that, right? I'll tell you, regardless of any of that, I don't know why this is hitting me this way, but just in general, I've my the the allure of this film has kind of been lessened for me. It's it, so sad. Too, yeah, it is. It's just sad. It's just sad overall, right? I mean, like there was a lot of we got hyped up for it because that trailer was surprisingly amazing. Funny, it, was, it had me. And now the this whole backstory, it's just it's just. I don't like any of it. I don't know what's true. Obviously, we don't know what's true, what's not, what's going on. And, and Apple says they're investigating, and there's all kinds of stuff go, you know, going on behind the scenes. And it just really has lost a lot of luster for me personally, we just as a fan. Yeah, we were worried that the subject matter was taking it you know, out of the race. But in fact, it's how the filmmakers may have handled the subject matter. If they the did story. it all, yeah. yeah. There's a lot of... Que- it's all very murky still. There's not a lot of clarity about what's going on. There's accusations right. flying. I, I just... Ugh. Well, there's so much... Anytime we cover stuff like this, it just wears me down more and more and more. And I yeah. just... I don't... I, I, I want to be Exactly. I don't want to deal with it, but I like we have to... I, of course I want to deal with it if, if it's something that happened that needs to be dealt with. It just wears on me as a moviegoer, and it's like, that sucks that anyone has to deal with this, Again, frankly, is how I feel. Apple TV probably recognizes this. Right. You know, they have Spielberg on retainer there, and he knows Oscar campaigns as good as anybody, and I'm sure he's they got a lot of people that are yeah. worldwide Ugh. there, so they, they get it, I think. It's unfortunate. Another weird story, and this story is not as downtrodden as it is weird. Olivia Wilde defends Richard Jewell amidst an early backlash. Now, you or I, we haven't heard an early backlash, but apparently there is one because there's been criticism that Olivia Wilde's reporter character in the movie trades sex for information. I was listening to Award Circuit, the Circuit Breaker pod, and, and they were complaining about the character as just being a poorly written character but it's kind of over the top that she is not the kind of person that we want to be representative in movies. And there's no getting away from characters being representative in movies, right? Of course not, yeah. Olivia Wilde comes out and says, well, I mean, why don't you criticize James Bond? You know, there's a double standard (laughs) There you go. I mean, James Bond is basically screwing anything that moves. Those are my words, not hers. But, you know, everybody defends him or it's just they don't really get on him for that. But then you have sexuality defining a female character, and I and she thought that was wrong because she thought that despite this person's flaws, the, this the real life person she was playing, she had a lot of respect for that journalist. Yeah, she plays the reporter Kathy Scruggs. The quote from Olivia Wilde from the THR article: "I do think it's interesting that when audiences recognize sexuality within a character, they immediately, when it's a woman, allow it to define her. And I think we should stop doing that and allow for nuance. It's sort of a misunderstanding of feminism to expect women to become pious and sexless. I think that's the whole game right there. Right. I mean, just because we haven't seen it." We are going to see it. We plan on giving it the full OSP treatment. Uh, So we're going to have more to say about it when we do. But the whole idea that a woman can't be sexual at all, and if she is sexual, that's against, that's anti-feminism. No, feminism, not that you need me to mansplain, but feminism is equality. And that's what the ideal of feminism is. And that's what this should be. So, of course, a woman can, no, she shouldn't just use her sexuality. But if she is using her sexuality in the same way that, like a James Bond does, why would you undercut that and try to take shots at it? 
I'm with you. Yeah. I, and that's where I side at the end of the day. I, if we watch this character and it's a poorly written character, we'll get on it for being a poorly exactly. written character, like our friends yeah. at Award Circuit did. And we're not going to get on it necessarily because the character did something that we think is wrong. Right. No. I mean, that's... <laughs> <laughs> then we'd take apart Brad Pitt's character in Once right. Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, of course. You know, so. We got to see it, yeah. but all right, we'll, we'll reserve judgment a little bit. But I, th- I thought, I mean, those are all over the trades this morning, Mike. We have two quick trailers to get to. Just Mercy had their second preview released to us this week. Looks like a completely different movie from the first trailer. I totally agree. I mean, the first trailer kind of dragged. Yeah. And it was definitely down in the dumps. Yeah. I mean, I, I get Very heavy, yeah. A movie can be heavy. And it is. It's a heavy subject matter. But it seemed like a long, arduous journey. Right. And this second trailer, we just get the highest of stakes. We get an incredible sense of urgency for the story. Save the innocent man's life from death by electrocution. My God, it's as harrowing as it gets. I mean, this trailer looks like it went to Clint Eastwood. Film cutting trailers or trailer cutting school, you know. I mean, this looks like yeah, the, the the one note piano being hit over and over again. Mm-hmm. These these heavy scenes with these one liners that just kind of hit you right in the feels, and it, it looks fantastic. Now the the movie is still kind of languishing as far as scores go. It's still a sixty five meta score, which mm-hmm. is okay. It's an early five point eight on IMDb, first five hundred or so views. That's not good. So. I don't know where this is going to land. It's kind of been hit or miss as far as where critic circles go. It hasn't really made a lot of awards noise. I don't know that it's going to rise to Oscar caliber. But for the subject matter, it seems to be, at least in this trailer, being presented in, in a better way, certainly in a more appealing way. The courage of that son in the courtroom scene. Oh, my God. You know, the, to let that be the one scene that really plays out yeah. in this was so smart. I, I, agree. I'm totally in. This is a much stronger trailer than that first one. Agree, agree. Mike, we wanted to get to the Black Widow teaser trailer today because we may be bumping MMOW, unfortunately, because of the weather. So let's dive right into it because we've been you know, craving this movie for so long. Years, years, years. And we finally get it and we get a badass Florence Pugh, Scarlett Johansson going hand-to-hand combat and then revealing, hi, sis, their sisters in this. David Harbour, I thought, was going to be brought in to be the bad guy it looks like he's the father figure. I'm a little confused by that as well. Like, we have a super family here. Right. With Pew with Rachel This is Vice, the Incredibles. David Harbour, right? <laughs> and David Harbour, you know, f- squeezing into a suit is funny. And- Marvel embracing the fat man superhero is a right. trope I can get behind. I'm totally into that. <laughs> we got William Hurt's Thaddeus Ross from the Hulk movies. Mm-hmm. That general is involved. I was a little worried at the start of this because we had flashback clips from previous MCU movies. I thought that was all we were going to get. And then they give, give us a lot of new stuff from the you know the mirror scene with Scarlet Joe there, which was cool. Here's the thing: like I'm a little concerned for the movie in a couple different ways. Okay. Number one, bad WWE choreography, and you're an expert on good and bad <laughs> WWE choreography. Yes, but when they you know basically exchange guns. I thought that was cool. I didn't like it. I've never seen something like that before. I was down with it. It's a trope, and then... It makes sense if you go into it thinking that that they both knew they were sisters and neither one wanted to hurt the other. I'm remembering The Matrix Reloaded. Okay. And the the guy who was wise, I forget his character's name, Seraph, it might be Seraph, he was like, you don't know somebody until you fight them. (laughs) And... What a pull. That's the trope. <laughs> in action movies, They the two good guys have to fight first before they can be friends. Right. Ugh. <laughs> well, yeah, I... Okay. <laughs> I wasn't a fan. That's, all that's fine. Like, that's I fine. I, 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 I agree. I wanted to like this trailer more than I do. Uh, we, we got, like, this big, uh, whatever, seizing this, you know, giant place. Yeah, what the hell is this plot? What's going on? Who's the bad guy? What... 
Who's the antagonist? One look at like this guy with an arrow, right. this like bluish guy. So I, I want more. I hope they make a better second trailer. I, w- I really was not amped up for this. I, I was very disappointed. Um, it's going to be interesting, kind of the year of the female superhero, I guess. We have a Wonder Woman movie. We have a Harley Quinn movie. And now we're going to have a Black Widow movie all coming out in 2020. So that's really cool to see. I like the Harley Quinn movie trailer. I like the Harley Quinn movie title. I mean, we've been Agreed. on record there. Yeah. I do think you got some cool music in here. Mm-hmm. And this Agreed. is MCU. So... The MCU could pull off anything. Cause yeah, that's kind of where I'm everything. defaulting with this. Right. Yeah, like, yeah, I have my issues. It was a teaser, so it wasn't, you know, we're not supposed to get a whole lot of information and stuff. It was just the first look, and it's the MCU, so until they prove that they are capable of screwing something up, I'm just going to default with, I'm sure they have it handled. I'm, I'm keeping my fingers yeah. crossed. Last story here, Mike. The Oscar host rumors, well, they've always been happening, but they kind of started for Tiffany Haddish. So... She was on Jimmy uh, Fallon, mm-hmm. and uh, he was, you know, basically like, "You should host the Oscars." And she's like, "I'll do it if you pay me a lot of money." Number one, <laughs> and number two, if I can do it with somebody. And she's like, "Let's go do it." And she's basically putting Jimmy on the spot there. That's that's fine. I am a little upset about this because she gave like two of the wrong answers. Like, I don't want her. I don't think she wants it. I don't want her to think that she can't do it by herself, number one, because I'm a huge fan of hers, and I think she should have the confidence enough to know she's hilarious and know she can do it by herself. Now, do I get it? Oh, fine, I get it. Performers are sensitive. Yeah. And she's a performer of a high caliber who makes a lot of money. She's a multimillionaire. And then she makes kind of a joke where they better pay me a lot of money. Now, I just, when jokes like this hit, I laugh. When they don't hit... <laughs> then I'm reminded of how poor I am. Now, that's probably a me problem. That's probably a me problem. But there's like two... I wish she didn't give those two answers. I don't think she wants the gig. I don't think she's interested at all. I think last year, Dave Chappelle made a big thing about this in his uh, one of his latest stand-ups for Netflix, too. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of well-known comedians and host-like people who aren't regular talk show hosts anyway, they saw how that gang mentality just tore apart Kevin Hart. Wow. who was kind of a guy that's like was untouchable at that point. And again, it's kind of pretty much quoting Chappelle. And I think there's a lot of hesitation from people to take that gig right now. And why wouldn't there be? And it's understandable. Look, I think Kevin Hart handled it in a really poor way. I think there's no reason he shouldn't have just apologized, again, whether or not he took he the gig or not. Yeah, right. yeah. After he said, I'm not going to apologize, he basically went on the rounds apologizing. Right. Like, so, and, and he could have apologized and said, I don't want the gig anyway, which I, I just think, you know, I think that was handled poorly. But I think... Overall, there might be a hesitation towards wanting the gig at all, especially taken in concert with the fact that everybody raved about how well it went last year without a host. And, of course, there's going to be this whole new layer of scrutiny for any host that comes along. So so do you think this is the Academy feeling the pressure now? Like, we got to, you know, put lightning in a bottle again this year and really pull this off? The, the Emmys didn't necessarily go so well. Yeah. They kind of went for it with the Homer Simpson gag, and there's a lot of criticism of the Emmys to do the no hosting. So are the Oscars a little rattled at this point? I think the Oscars are always rattled. They're rattled. Yeah, I think they always are thinking about uh, ways to fine-tune, sometimes to their own detriment. They were never rattled for years. They're just nothing but confidence, just gushing, and now they're always rattled. So... 
I, look, I'm with you. If Tiffany Haddish hosted, she would be spectacular. I have zero doubt totally about agree. that. I believe that many, there's a, a plethora of people. I think the idea that there's no host is a little asinine. Uh, it's a little self-sabotage at this point because of what did happen with Kevin Hart and what is going to happen with the scrutiny of it. And why? I, listen, I'm in the camp. I thought Seth MacFarlane was great when he hosted, and he got killed for yeah. what he did that year. So... I don't think you can win if you host the Oscars. Is kind of my overall point. So why would anybody want to put that on the line? That's not a usual host. If you want to give it to a Kimmel, you want to give it to even a Fallon and Ellen Generous. I think those are the most comfortable. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, I don't know why anyone would be chomping at the bit at this point to kind of host the Oscars unless it was somebody on the come up. And Tiffany Haddish is not on the come up. She is up. She's up. Right. She's so she's got nowhere to go but down. Well, yeah. I mean. <laughs> You know, yeah. she doesn't. Why face the public scrutiny if you don't need it? She's already beloved. She's making millions of dollars. Everybody's a huge Tiffany Haddish fan. Yeah, I think it makes sense for her to kind of say things that are wrong to distance herself from it. Now, I say all this, and tomorrow she could accept the job and be the new host. <laughs> so who knows? We would support it, yes. of course. I just want somebody to want this because I like this so much. We both do. Yeah. I've seen a, a big push on Reddit lately, mm-hmm. and to, to William Bibiani's credit, who's a, another critic out there, part of the Schmodown universe and all that, he's said for years, mm-hmm. the Muppets should host. I'm for that, by the way. Because who could really get mad at the Muppets? And if you want to give me just Stadler and Waldorf for the entirety of the Oscars up in the booth there, sign me up. Let's go. <laughs> or Meepers. You do a billion things with it. Disney owns so, the Muppets, right? If, well, if it's a thing, yes, Disney owns it. So let's have the Muppets host. <laughs> uh, that is it. That is your look around all things award season and Oscar racy. If we want to know your thoughts, obviously, about not only the Tiffany Haddish story, not only some other trailers that we covered in this, but also about the Gotham Awards in general. Do you think they have meaning? Uh, do you think they, they are a sign or a precursor of things to come with Oscars success or at least nomination? Uh, we want to hear those thoughts from you and as well as any thoughts about anything we do here in the MMO Empire, you can reach out to us and leave us those at Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook, Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Instagram, at MM and Oscar on Twitter, Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com. And on Reddit, we're available everywhere you hear podcasts, including and especially Apple Podcasts. If you own an iPhone, happen to use Apple Podcasts, if you can go on the Apple Podcast app, that little purple square with a white Muppet sticking out of the middle mm-hmm. of it, tap on that. Type in Mike, Mike, and Oscar into the search. Tap on our logo. If you can leave us a five star review, truly that would mean a lot. Uh, and please do so. We thank all of you who please. have. And and will do though, and, and and tell a friend or two, and we'll we'll send you internet dollars, one internet hug per five star review. Internet hug, internet correct. hug, Not yeah. Internet dollars, because those are real dollars, aren't they now? Bitcoin. I don't have that. I don't have it either. <laughs> um, Mike, what is coming next from MMO, and what are some words of wisdom? I keep saying it, but yes, we're gonna review some movies again. <laughs> It's going to happen. The Irishman, then Knives Out, then Marriage Story. We got those on the schedule. We'll get to them. Big ones. We got MMOW probably getting punted this week. We're yeah. sorry. It's just impossible to, to squeeze all these recordings in. We're getting ahead on next Snow week's screwed us, yeah. No, but snow, to, snow totally screwed us, and that's the words of wisdom today. Drive safely. Please. I was skidding around a little bit early yeah. this morning, and uh, I'm glad I didn't try to venture out here. I mean, you live at the top of Whoville. You know, with the Grinch. And you are the Grinch sometimes. That made me feel really happy. Thank you. It's hard to get here. (laughs) Yeah, I do. I live in the boons. And if it was just covered with snow like it was this morning, I don't know how I would have done it. Yeah, it would have been rough. It would have been rough. So, yes, I think those are wise words of wisdom. Guys, uh, when reality sucks, you can come watch these movies with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year-round without the stuffiness. We will see you very soon. See you.